0: This is the 20 Minutes to Clarity Podcast with Jason Noble. Advisory services offered through Prime Capital Investment Advisors, LLC, PCIA, a federally registered investment advisor, Overland Park, Kansas. The following or preceding commentaries and responses are the opinions of Jason Noble and his guests and are not necessarily the opinions of PCIA and are for informational and educational purposes only and are not and should not be considered investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. No guarantees expressed or implied. Welcome to the 20 Minutes to Clarity podcast with Jason Noble, featuring down-to-earth interviews with people like the professional athletes we work with, the closet millionaires, the enterprising entrepreneurs, and others we have the pleasure of calling clients and business partners. Each podcast focuses on candid one-on-one conversations with incredible people who share their journey to success, including the mistakes they've made along the way, the hard work it took to grow their net worth, and relatable elements of their life stories that you won't hear anywhere else. Now... Here's Jason.
1: Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity. I have Bilal Little and Devon Drew with DFD Partners with me today. I'm going to
2: turn it over to them to introduce DFD Partners along with themselves. Welcome, team. Thank you so much for having us on behalf of myself and my president Bilal Little. Couldn't be more excited to be here. My name is Devon Drew, founder and CEO of DFD Partners. A lot of people don't know this. DFD actually stands for Diligence Fund Distributors and not my initials. Um, essentially a good way to, to think about what DFD is, let's call it the match.com for, for investment management professionals, right? That's probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, a little bit about myself before I pass along to Bilal, uh, 16 years within asset and wealth managed uh, within asset and wealth management. Prior to founding DFD Partners, I was a senior executive at uh, the very small Vanguard group, uh, right around $9 trillion. Uh, before that, I was at organizations like American Century, J.P. Morgan and, and Merrill Lynch. Um, been a been a great 16 years, but, you know, it definitely was time to to venture out and take my knowledge and and and, uh, and and be the founder of DFD Partners. And would love to pass along to Bilal. And
3: yeah, no, Devon, I think you nailed it on that. So uh, Bilal Little, 17 years of uh, experience within distribution. Uh, I spent my career really at two firms. Newberger Berman uh, for the early stages of my career um, while we were owned under Lehman Brothers. So I was able to withstand the uh, financial crisis. Interesting stories there. But uh, in 2015, while I was uh, doing uh, the executive program at USC uh, to get my MBA, I joined BlackRock uh, and I was at BlackRock for six and a half years. And uh, last year, uh, Devon and I you know, decided to really take DFD to the next level, and it was really because of his vision, partnership, and uh, just uh, the fact that we go way back. So we've known each other for for about fifteen years. So deep relationship. Now, way
1: back, I think I think I heard this that y'all went through a curriculum together at one point <laughs> uh, when you first met.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah,
3: so- tell the story. I wouldn't call it a curriculum. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so you know, it was actually the series seven. Uh, and you know, and, and Bilal was at uh, Newburger at the time. I was actually at at a chop shop called West Rock Advisors. Where my <laughs> boss, my boss had West Rock Advisors. My sales manager was none other than Josh Brown of uh of, of oh, what of a small really world wealth management so um at that time they give you you know there's no excuse by the way below um <laughs> they you know you, you come in you, you you get the job and they give you four weeks to take to series seven as opposed to being at a bigger shop where they give you like a year and a half some crazy amount of time to pass the test so i came in with four weeks of uh of studying but you know i walk into the testing facility all good. I'm confident. I got a 92 on the green light. I'm, you know, he couldn't tell me anything, right? <laughs> I walk in, I, I see a young brother, um, sharp, dreadlocks, feeling good. We introduce ourselves to each other. His name is Bilal. He's super nervous, sweat coming down his forehead. He has an index cards. He's going here. It's all good, man. Um, long story short, uh, one of us passed, one of us did not. You know, um, I'll, you know, I'll let I'll let the audience decide which one passed, which one did not. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we've, we've, uh, that was probably, you know, 2007, maybe 2008, one of, one of those years, uh, maybe even before that, can't even remember at this time. But, you know, we've, we've always remained connected and, and our careers actually had so much synergy in between that because when he, when he passed and, and he was at Newberger Berman, um, he was covering me as an advisor when I was at Merrill Lynch, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. And then when, you know, and then when um, he got, you know, he, he went on to be an external. I, w- I was uh, internal for a few more years and I got to be an external. And our careers were, were you know, were always aligned in that regard.
3: Yeah, I
2: appreciate I, uh, that context.
3: one thing to, to that story. There was Please. never any sweat, but there was plenty of index cards. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well,
1: you know, the, for the listeners, uh, you know, my new hire Series 7 uh, uh, group, uh, there was 50 people in that group, and there's only three people still in the industry. And uh, there's a saying in our industry that Wall Street's only five blocks long, and it's because after a while, you almost know everybody in it, right? And so we got to meet at Future Proof. We hit it off right away, and I'm excited to have you join 20 Minutes at Clarity. So let me, let's me let get into it a little bit. So I really want to understand, what was the driving purpose or passion that led you to start and create DFD Partners?
2: Man, thank you for that. So that th- that is a multifaceted answer. So first and foremost, yeah. 16 years in the industry, um, 16 years, not one time was someone hired that that looked like me, right? So um, so I owe it to not only myself, I, I owe it to uh, my family and also the now the next generation of investment professionals to be on the creator side of the deal. Because fact of the matter is, this industry goes to the few right? So 20 managers on the asset manager side represent north of 50% all the flows. When you take a step back, mm. 90% of the flows are going to just 10% of the managers. So how do you democratize access to diverse, differentiated, and impactful investment solutions to advisors like yourself, right? And if you're not one of those top 20, man, it's very difficult to create scale. So being able to leverage data and technology to disrupt the multi-trillion dollar industry is exactly why we put our heads together and we created DFD Partners.
3: Yeah, let me, let me just say this. This is not like an ESG-based uh, play. This is really about capitalism at its best. <laughs> Being able to let opportunities present themselves and allow investors and the market to have choice is what DFD is really designed to do. So when Devon mentions democratization, we're talking about bringing choice and optionality to the marketplace and letting the data decide all of the decisions that are made on our platform, kind of removing human bias. And what that does is it provides opportunity.
1: Okay. I, I think this is a really good segue into such an important topic. When you look at the like public markets, and you ha- there's little diversion on one fund doing better than the other. Yeah, there's a little bit there, but it's it's getting smaller and smaller with technology and resources coming into that space. But on the public markets, we do see a wide range in relation to the median return of the private markets to the returns that we're seeing in that space. So with those return ranges getting wider from fund manager to fund manager, especially in like the venture capital space within the private markets, how does one do proper due diligence on these fund managers to account for this wide gap because of what you're doing with, within the DFD partners, it's gonna put a little bit more on there with the advisor and the client. So how
2: how would one go about the due diligence? Yeah, it is it is the VC space is tough, right? The widest delta in all of invest management is on the VC side which is why when a Andreessen comes out with a new fund or a Sequoia comes out with a new fund, it is gobbled up within a second because the the difference between top quartile and bottom quartile is wider than any other space in the investment community. So for us at DFD, Um, It starts and ends with due diligence. Right. So if a fund doesn't pass our due diligence, it doesn't it doesn't come on our platform. Our due diligence. Right. So we're doing not only doing background checks. In some cases, we'll actually do on site visits. Uh, We have two uh, independent research uh, groups that we use. We have a we have a head of a manager research, which is um, this gentleman, 20 years in the industry, um, working with venture capital funds. And then we also use an organization called Revere. Uh, which is we want it to be unbiased, right, which is essentially the morning star of venture capital um, research. Right. So being able to have the multifaceted approach of due diligence allows us to feel comfortable enough to show a venture capital fund to advisors like yourself. But also knowing that, um, quite frankly, it's going to be a smaller allocation in your book of business, Uh, But being a smaller allocation has that much more of an opportunity to create outsized returns uh, if and when they hit it out the park.
3: And, and, And let me add this, like due diligence is about building trust, right? Everything in the financial markets is all about trust and due diligence provides clarity, transparency. And quite frankly, if we had better due diligence, we wouldn't have this FTX based debacle on the crypto side. Right. So so due diligence, like Devon mentioned, it is in our DNA. It's our fabric. It's everything that we stand for as the launch pad for any manager to be on the platform. Uh,
1: that was that, that was OK. I really appreciate the, the commentary there. And wh- I think one of the things that we talked about and you mentioned this earlier, information is truly the gateway to whatever level of success that you want. I truly believe in a culture of continual learning and, and staying in that culture. How do you go about learning still today, with the consistent changes that we are seeing in not just uh, our culture, but then the changes in our industry and the things that are happening on that end? How do you stay current? Yeah, look, that learning.
3: Look, I, I think like right, everyone's fighting for mind space today. Every business, every entity, everything that we consume—from our phones to the videos—everything is fighting for your time, and. From learn from a learning perspective, I think you have to like not only play games with yourself, but set goals, but kind of gamify that whole education process, right? Like, hey, how can I read a book in a month? Or, um, you know, what 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 what, can, what content do I want to consume over the next couple of weeks? And all of that is kind of pouring into that whole learning journey and experience. Today, you notice the attention span is probably shortened, and probably three to five minutes, you know, from sitting in class for an hour, like we all probably used to do. And also there are so many different mediums. So I think switching it up, right. I still write notes on a notepad so I can remember things, but I also listen to podcasts. I watch YouTube videos and anytime someone shares their perspective, I'm totally open and transparent to various perspectives, but I personally, I like to fact check everybody. Because if I'm limited to only what you know, then I only have your perspective. And today we have access to the internet, and that allows us to at least formulate a more comprehensive and complete perspective on anything that we want to learn today. Like, think about it—you can learn Japanese on your own in your in your basement if you wanted to.
1: You can, <laughs> you can. And, and Devon, like, but you can, you can do that. It, it's just a matter of like, what is your will, skill, and drive to do that, right? And and then how do you apply it? Like you can learn something, but you don't know how to apply it. It only goes so far, right? And so like, like I'm going to turn it over to Devon. Like your experience in the industry and then going and starting DFD partners, right? You, you had that knowledge, you had that wisdom, but then you had to go apply it when you're creating this business and this and the, the matchmaking, match.com of the industry, right? Like how do you take what you learn and apply it to what you're doing now?
2: So. I'm a big follower of trends, right? And going back to VC, so VC raises money for an idea that probably won't come to fruition for another seven years, right? A lot of it is a lot of it is dead money. So how does that relate to DFD partners and 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 what we believe in? And it comes down to our DNA, which is data. So within our industry, and Bilal can attest to this, a lot of it, even years and years ago, asset management and also on the wealth management side, wanted to be data driven. Now, the problem of being data driven in a relationship based industry is that people are like, I don't need the data. Um, I can go out there and I can have business development efforts, whether I'm an advisor, whether I'm a wholesaler, where, where it doesn't matter where I am, just dealing with my relationships. However, as that pie of wealth becomes more fragmented, how do you follow, you know, like, so how do you follow those relationships as folks start to retire as folks business model change you better be able to be data driven in what you do right so for me then my knowledge base is let me know let let me see where the puck is going and let me and let me put a flag down and make this an integral part of what we're doing so when i look at you know how i educate myself a lot of it is on industry flows industry trends uh, where the puck is going, where the dollar is going, right? So one thing that Bilal and I talked about is is the two key buzzwords in this industry is digitization and customization. So looking at the fastest growing you know, investment product in the space is direct indexing. Knowing that my former employer has made one acquisition in 60 years says something. You know, Van- Vanguard, you know, it's very conservative. So them mm-hmm. acquiring Just Invest... Let's me know. Let's the data dictate that. You know what? In mm. order to gain market share and wallet share for the now, the next generation and the higher net worth in this industry, you're going to have to provide them with digitization and customization. So looking at something like direct indexing allows you to kind of put together a business model around, like Bilal mentioned, democratization, choice, optionality, all of that is a mega trend within data and within t- customization and digitization. So being a subject matter expert has allowed us to put ourselves ahead of the curve, so to speak, in this industry.
1: There, there was something that was mentioned. I went into your archives, okay? All right, listeners, I did some due diligence before I had them come on. And there was something that was said in another uh, podcast, and I loved it. And what? And I want to get more clarity to though. In an earlier conversation, you mentioned you switch your mindset from consumer to investor, consumer to investor. I, OK, please elaborate on what you meant by that and how you apply that.
3: Yeah. So let me let me jump in here. And this is really, really important to just think about um, society and in general, right? Like strip away the financial services hat for a moment. Everything, like I mentioned in my previous comments, we're marketed to nonstop 100% of the time. So most people, their natural inclination is to jump on this debt cycle and to consume. And that is, I'll say we've been conditioned to do so since we were young, since we were in college, right? You got your first credit card. So most people start at the consumption level. They don't start at the investor level. And what I quickly realized is that while I was working with financial advisors over the last 17 years, is many of them constantly spoke about educating their clients on this, call it the art of reducing consumption and thinking about investing in all of the things that you consume. Rather, you always go to Target or you always you know, want to go to this movie theater. Is it publicly owned? Can I own it? Do I always have to buy an iPhone? Can I own the company? And just switching that mindset to saying, I want to be an owner of a business. And it goes back to Devon's point about following the data, following the insights. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be wealthy. But there are three things in in, in wealth creation that's going to happen. You either can manage wealth, you can protect it, or you can transition it. And the data always tells you that because every single one of us, we're all going to pass away and taxes are the only thing guaranteed next to death. So since that's the case, you got to manage wealth, protect it and transition it. And the only way you can do that is if you start to put away um, assets and or start building your asset base and being more of a business owner versus a consumer.
2: So as far as creating wealth, right, and, and I think Bilal kind of hit the hit the nail on the head, um, just having a mentality where, you know, you want everything that comes in to potentially be appreci you know, appreciated, right? Um, whether that, you know, so so switching so switching what you're buying to things that could actually appreciate as opposed to depreciate.
1: Hey, so we have one last question I always like to ask. Uh, we get so much value from what we hear. and I'm going to start with you, Devon. If you could leave an impression with our listeners on uh, creating wealth, what would that impression be?
2: That's a great question. I would say it starts with appreciation versus depreciation, right? So from a compute from a consumer mindset, making sure that if I'm going to consume and purchase something, um, that I have a long-term ambition for that that is actually going to appreciate uh, like a wine collection, like an art collection, like a watch collection, right? So if I'm—if you're going to make the investment, make sure that it is appreciating. I love it. And below.
3: Yeah, uh, I think mine is twofold. I think, again, it goes back to manage wealth, protect wealth, transition wealth. We all got a paper trail, so you got to take care of the paper even somewhat even before the investment's Um, So just making sure everything is aligned and you know where everything is. Uh, The next thing is I think it's important to make sure that you identify real unique opportunities. And quite frankly, sometimes I think the public markets are where businesses go to die and investors can actually have a better investment experience if they identify VC opportunities, private equity opportunities, real estate opportunities, private credit that will offer them not only insulated uh, volatility from market daily fluctuations, but better risk adjusted returns over time. And you have to identify those good managers to do so.
1: Absolutely. And just want to thank you both for your time today. If, to learn more about DFD partners, go to dfd.ai. If you want to speak to your Prime Clarity advisor, well, reach out. We're here to help. Or go to pciawealth.com, enter in your information, and one of us will reach out to see how we can help you with your financial journey. This is us at 20 Minutes of Clarity saying thank you and have a great day.